Welcome to Accounting High. When I first started writing a book, it was really just a passion project. I remember when I was reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, that like Chicken Soup for the Soul for dogs lover, for women, for teachers, like whatever, right? I'm like, where is the one for accounts? Let me write one. And that's what you wrote. <laughs> that's what I wrote. And I wanted to be a love letter to accounts. It's directly to accounts. A lot of accountants who do great work, they're not proud of being accountant. It is such a shame. But I really want people to think deeper about their contribution, the impact, and mission, the purpose of what it means to be an accountant. And I really want them to be proud because I think it's an energy, like a vibe. And you just hate your job, not proud of your profession. How do you even promote the profession? I think there's a, a group of people who are like yourself, innovative and creative, but I think majority of it is still pretty slow in change. We still have a long way to go in the profession. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations involving some of the best teachers in the accounting industry. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scotty and Cece. We're going to have a problem here. Class is in session. I wanted to say our nicknames on here, but my nickname now is Scotty. I got a lot of nicknames. I'm not going to go into all those. We got Cecilia. Cece is what you go by. Ling? Lung, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Lung or Ling? Lung. Lung, okay. Mm -hmm. Lung. Cece's coming to us from, where are you coming to us from? New York City. New York City. Yes. Some reason I thought California, but I know that's because you went to Berkeley. But that was that's just what I associate as. <laughs> I'm in my basement again. You're at your house mm. in New York. I'll be in New York next week, actually. Wow. So, um, but Cece, introduce yourself for our guests. I know you know we've been we've been talking for a few months. I got to know you through when I was working with Earmark when I was doing some work there, and we hit it off. Our first conversation. We've been chatting ever since. You sent me a copy of your book. I want to talk about that. And I was just really excited to have you on. So we, we had a little bit of scheduling issues for the past couple of months, but now we finally are connected. We're here. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And I really like what you guys are doing. Well, like what you do is so cool. The whole rapper thing. Like, I, you know, like usually when people think about accounting, it's, you know, they have all these like crazy stereotype. But I think there's actually, there's a lot of like brilliant mind, you know, creativity, fun stuff that we can do and talk about, right? Which is so exciting to for me to be on here to talk to you. So a little bit about me. We're going to have fun this episode for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so excited. So, yeah, a little bit about me. So I am the co-founder of the global advisory firm called the Entrepreneur CFO. So we're based in New York City. And we are a women-owned advisory firm that help growing companies to build a strong and infrastructure strong foundation and infrastructure just so you know they don't have to have huge reliance on the founders so a little bit about my background so before I start my own company I spent 20 years in corporate so I worked for some of the prominent firms like JP Morgan PwC EY all over the world and then after that I worked for a startup build startup but all these times, I actually always had a side hustle. So, you know, like when COVID hit, a lot of things change. So that was just a perfect time to transition my side hustle to a full-time business. So, yeah, I mentioned I, I'm currently in New York City. I have been here for almost 18 years now. So I was originally from Hong Kong. So I moved to Canada when I was 16 years old. And then after, you know, after I graduated, I just like kind of all over the place. But New York City always felt right to me. I always loved it here. It's always been my home. So Hong Kong to Canada. Mm -hmm. why, why the move to Canada? Oh, my God, it was such a long history. So... Everybody probably know now, you know, like back in the day. So Hong Kong was the colony of British. And, you know, like in 1997, British supposed to gave Hong Kong back to China. So a lot of people are just very frightened and insecure about the future. So my parents included. So they weren't really just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about, you know, their kids. So me and my brother. And so, you know, that I, I always knew at some point we will leave Hong Kong, but we just didn't know when. So, and I think, yeah, so when I was 16 years old, like it was just the right time and we just moved. And were you in high school then? I was in high school, yep. Okay, this being accounting high, I always want to trigger a uh, like root <laughs> foundation back to high school for everybody. So mm. that was, that's interesting. Cause I, honestly, I didn't even know that. I mean, I don't know a lot. And that's one of the things I didn't know that Hong Kong was a British colony that and the, and England or British decided to give it back to China was it like an expiration or what was the reason yeah so basically during wartime I think like China just had to like so like, to keep it really short so like so China just gave Hong Kong like a piece of the really valuable land to the UK and then they said you know we'll give you this land for a hundred years so they have you have to give it back in 1997 so Hong Kong at the time was just like a, a fisherman. So a lot of fishermen, you know, it was really nothing. But when the UK took it over, and it, they really like built the economy. So the, the, for those of us who grew up in Hong Kong, like we had this sense of pride because we're westernized. And at the time, China was just very underdeveloped. So everybody was like, mm -hmm. we don't want to be that. Like, we want to be westernized. We wanted to be uh, powerful, you know, kind of all that. I, we almost, I felt like a lot of people just had that identity crisis. 
Well, sure. That, because <laughs> you're almost identifying with the Western world, but still part of like Hong Kong is still seen as, I guess, I guess I've always seen it as part of China. So, and, but it's a, it's always been somewhat separate from China too. I just didn't know mm-hmm. the history of that. So, but your identity, that's interesting too, because you spent most of your adult, almost all of your adult life since high school in the Western world, Canada or US. Do you still, how do you identify like as, as yourself? Do you still like a China or? That was an interesting question, right? Because I think a lot of people ask me that. And I always took pride in that. Like I had the best of both worlds. Because even when we grew up in Hong Kong, you know, like with a lot of westernized influence, but at home, we're still very traditional. We grew up with Asian values, you know, like respect adult, like respect elderly and do good in school. And your success is defined by how well you do in academic, professional life and all that kind Work of stuff. Work ethic. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think I think that's actually a really good thing to instill a lot of discipline and structure in our life. But I think with that, it lack creativity. It doesn't really like that kind of environment. Just because it's always very hectic. When you look at like Asian kids, I think it's still like that today, if not worse already. You know, their their schedule is like jam packed. So you go to like piano lessons, swimming lessons, and then you have like tons of homework, and then you're involved in like a billion things, right? So I feel like sometimes it's just again, like I think the structure and discipline is good, but then. In that environment, it's just very stressful. It doesn't really quite encourage any creativity, innovations, right? And so that's why I said, right? So it was a it was a good age for me to, like, at sixteen, be able to, to almost like expand my world to see something different. Then I was like, wow, you know, it almost opened up my eyes to like a completely whole different, bigger world. I love that you brought in the creativity because that was the next my next bridge to this was. In the accounting world, we're so focused on the numbers and so focused on, mm-hmm. especially, you know, people who do tax and do traditional accounting, bookkeeping, we're so focused on what, how it's supposed to be that we don't allow much time to create. And I think that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of a transition of like, I've always been in the accounting world, but now I'm, I consider myself more creative and a creator, or not a creative, but i consider more of less like I enjoy the creative aspects of all this more than just the root learning and repetitiveness of that day-to-day like the nature of of the business so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of business owners get to flex the creativity in their brands in their in their companies in their cultures and being able to understand the difference of those like there's a difference between I talked about this with somebody on a recent episode or difference between productivity and creativity mm-hmm. there's a big difference between those two and they don't really they don't necessarily intersect because creativity you need that open space and if you're filling your days with piano lessons and violin lessons and you know extracurricular activities and all of that you don't have any time to create so really all you're doing is memorizing learning how to do somebody else's you know yeah. if it's if it's piano or if it's violin whatever it might be you're just learning how to read and perform it. You're not learning really how to create, or maybe you are. I mean, I just think there's not enough time to do that. Yeah, there's just not enough time and space or opportunities, 
right? We so often talk about opportunities, but then, like, I think it was just very much when I think about how I grew up, I felt like everything was like a script, right? Everybody just kind of execute this script that our parents, you know, lay out perfectly for us. And I felt like, but I want to, I always wanted to, you know, attribute my success to to my parents because you know when I think about where I came from where we came from as a family so my parents actually came from like low-income family and so but they and they they're the eldest of their family so they work really hard and ultimately get themselves in the middle class and but I think you know when when we were born we as in me and my brother when we were born we were actually still you know poor or low income and but they my parents save every dime and put that put us into these prestigious private school because they want us to have opportunity, you know? But at the same time, it was actually really tough. And of course, so here's the, here's the kind of conflicts, right? So as young kids, we, we just didn't fit in to, you know, we, we grew up with the rich people, but we didn't have these Hello Kitty bags, like, you know, these my, my, my classmates have. So you often felt like you're not enough, you didn't fit in, right? But then, of course, at mm-hmm. home, my parents are like, that's not what we send you there for. You know, we send you there to get the best education just so you can change your life. Right. So it was like contradicting. It's like I didn't want to be there. But then at this, because we were so young, right, of course, we didn't see in hindsight, I saw exactly the intention. But then when you're a young kid, you just wanted to be normal, fit in. And you're in the moment. And yeah, in the Western world, too. I mean, everybody's considering different. I mean, they're in the moment. They're all talking about and doing different things than what you're, you know, what, what you were at your home. I'm, I'm sure there was a pretty big contrast between being at home and then being in the classroom with your with your friends or with your classmates. So that dichotomy of, you know, I, I guess that's how you start forming your identity. Those are your, those are the formative years of our life is like from 16 to 19 to 20, you know, those years form really who we are. Like I think to a degree we're born who we are, who we're going to be through our parents. They know us best. They know what's best for us. But then through our own eyes and who we want to become is usually during those years of mm-hmm. growing up high yeah. school. That's also why I like bringing back this whole metaphor of accounting high, because that's where a lot of us have like our strongest memories, whether it's, you know, whether we loved high school or hated it, that's, you know, who, what defined who we are as people. Now we always go back to some of those memories and some of those moments. Oh yeah. So tell me a little bit of a defining moment of when you decided you wanted to work in this space too was it wasn't in the during those years during private school years or so yeah so i grew up in hong kong and then you know i actually didn't i try really hard to keep up with my grades and everything but it was just very competitive and so i I mentioned in my book you know when i was in grade five like i failed math right that instantly oh my god that was like almost like at that time i thought that was the my life was over right in school you almost get like so like people just hate me the teacher called me out it's like oh my god like you're like lazy you pull down the average and i understand right because that's kind of the culture people are so cutthroat and you know and it, it, in their eyes of course it is legit but then i was just a young kid so basically i was put in that no one cares category right so for a couple of years that i really just kind of gave up i was just like whatever, like didn't care about my grades anymore. And I didn't know what to do. But deep down, I knew that we would move 
to Canada or, you know, to the US or UK. Like, we didn't know at the time. We just knew that we would leave. And then from what other people told me, it's a completely different world. So I was, I was waiting. I was hoping for that opportunity to come. So when I actually moved to Canada when I was 16 years old, it opened a completely new world to me. So, I mean, it wasn't easy because there's still, like, cause I, I spoke pretty broken English at the time. I mean, you know, like, and, like, we learned English in Hong Kong as a second language. But when you don't speak it every day, it's completely different, right? It's like people here learn Spanish. So all of a sudden, you're in this country, I, and I was also very shy. I'm always very shy. So I was so afraid mm -hmm. to speak, afraid that when people hear my accent, they would judge me. They knew that I was fresh off the boat, right? And so I just... Yeah, so I think like kids made fun of me or whatever. But then I think later on, I just kind of turned this because I had to remember, you know, my parents worked so hard for us to move us across the country for a better life, better opportunities, better future. So that became my purpose and almost reasons to do well. So I think, okay, so talk about our, our cultural expectation, right? I mentioned like what, like our, our success formula is basically laid out for us. So it's either you start businesses or become professional. So at the time, starting businesses is not even something that I knew how or would ever, ever imagine in my life. So, okay, I could work hard to become a professional. So you think about your choices, right? It's actually very limited. You can be a doctors, lawyers, engineers, uh, accountants. So I thought, okay, yeah, business can be interesting. Everybody, you know, there's a lot of money to be made. I wanted to know more. And so, and I asked around, I think I went to the, the school counselor and they're like, well, are you good at math? Oh my God, it was such a nightmare, right? I'm like, no. And I don't even remember how. So I, I actually didn't pick accounting. I took an accounting course and actually hated it because the debits and credit was just like, just like oh, wow. so boring, right? So I went to college. I went to college and studied business. So my degree was actually in economic and finance. And when I graduated, like when I graduated, I was so frightened. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, completely clueless. And then someone, probably my parents too, many people was like, you should just get a CPA. You know, it'll be a great tool. Uh, you know, it'll be a great designation under your tool belt. It complements like what you do in business and it'll open up a lot of opportunities. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, like it's just like, it took the exam because it looks good on the resume it, while I was still figuring out what to do. But I was so glad that I did that because it did open up a lot of opportunities and honestly even till today I think that was the best choice one of the best choices in my life is to get my CPA or become an accountant well tell me about that though because you didn't like math you didn't like accounting but somebody suggested get your CPA and you said okay like that doesn't track for me at what <laughs> what was the really I mean I guess for the opportunity but at some point, did something change? Did you, was there other options that you just didn't see as viable or? I was very clear that I wanted to get into business. Like I want to become a okay. professional. So, you know, I and could what's teach. What's the language of business? Exactly, right? Yes. So then people are like, okay, then the next step is, again, we have a script, right? What is the next step? You get into the big four. Why do you get into the big four? Because they have the best of everything. Well, that's what we were told, right? And I think they do have a lot to offer, absolutely, right? Because they have all the big clients. That's where you see business, doing all that in different aspects. You really see the many aspects and ins and outs of business. So I, and I, I admit that was a supposed to be a good but the CPA training. was for business mm. that was that was for business purpose and I'm, I'm 
jumping ahead a little bit, but you went to EY right out of college. Is that right? Well, I initially didn't know what I wanted to do, so I didn't want to join the big four because people have been telling me like they're working twenty four seven. There's like no life. Like some people got sick, and you know all these horror stories, right? I was like, okay, that's it. Couldn't even imagine myself doing that, right? I was freaking out, just like many young kids today are, right? When they told me about sure. when they see their future, so I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. And then I, I was just applying everywhere. I kind of wanted to get into banking, right? And then I actually went into like all these investment banker recruit. Recruitment session and all that kind of stuff. Oh my god! It just remind remind me of these like girls' school that I went to. Super competitive. People like almost just wanted to kick you to the curb or something like that. Right? I was like, oh my god! And that's not the environment I wanted to be in. So, anyways, long story short, I came across this opportunity in a mutual funds company. So I thought, okay, I didn't know what that is, but hey, you know, it seems like it's it is growing. You want to be in a growing field, right? And so I thought, sure. okay, maybe I'll learn something. I know nothing. I knew nothing at the time, anyway. So I was like, okay, yeah, that could be interesting. So I just joined them and do accounting. And, and the best thing about that is, first of all, again, like I just graduated, I really like knew nothing. So, and then they have this like six weeks training program. You went to Boston. They train you in different areas. So back then, we're talking about twenty years ago now. Like you know, I graduated in two thousand and three. So, oh my god, it, is, mm-hmm. it has been twenty years. So, so back then, it they offer a lot more. You have mentors, like you sit with people to learn different aspects, you know, compliance, legal, and so many things. So it was very eye-opening, and I actually liked it. So that's how I got into the industry. And then, of course, you know, I was there for 18 months, and then things just become so competitive. I asked myself, okay, this could not be my life, right? I had a lot of good experience and skills. What is next, right? So I start asking that question. And maybe people told me, well, you're from Hong Kong, China is blooming like you should go back you know you speak the language so i speak mandarin and also speak cantonese so they're like yeah you should really take advantage of it so at first again like secretly i was just like i didn't want the big four experience uh, given all these horror stories i've heard right but i was like eh, you know i was only 20 something let's give it a try worse worse come worse i could always leave so that's exactly what i did move back to hong kong join in my and they sent me to china then and there was a lot of china doing ipo so that was actually really eye-opening experience for me but one year is really enough. I didn't want to do it for a lifetime either. Well, and that's, I think that's also like you You speak a lot of languages. You speak the language of business. You speak the Mandarin, Cantonese, <laughs> English. And this is also one of those like hero's journeys where you're going back home to reflect on who you are too. I'm sure during those two years, you also learned just a lot about who you were going back to living in China again, living in Hong Kong again. Yeah, and it's really funny because when I went back, people would just would just assume that because you know, like I'm Asian, like I should just that was supposed to be easier. Because a lot of people was like, yeah, you know, it's so hard for you to get promoted in in North America. But by that point, you were Americanized or even Canadian in, in a lot of ways too, right? I would think so, but I think well, I mean, I spent sixteen years, fifteen, sixteen years in Hong Kong, so I felt like there's still deep Asian side of me there so i think that's why i always said right i think i'm like a blend of the best of everything yeah so yeah i think a little bit of both yeah i think so and so yeah i went so i went back and the people yeah no people just assume yeah people just assume that i would fit right in 
but I actually didn't. I there was a lot of things which just like very foreign to me. And yeah, okay, speaking the language has advantage, but the cultural shock again. Like I felt like even when I moved from Canada to the U.S., I had a cultural shock. Like initially,、yeah. I thought it shouldn't be right. Like Canada and U.S. supposed to be friends, like next to each other, like supposed to be similar. Oh God, no. So <laughs> yeah, same thing as when I was in China. I just felt like it. It took me a while. I wasn't really thinking, and also you know, at that time, at that age. Based on how I was raised, my focus wasn't to find a career path or or find my purpose or whatever. I just wanted to be established. I just want to follow this script. I supposed to have a couple of years in back four, then switch to the industry and then get married, have kids, blah blah blah. Oh, actually, there's more. So get married and have kids, and then stay home and have a second career, backup career. We always have a backup career, right? So what is backup career? Meaning, you get your side hustles. Oh yeah, exactly. So then I can teach my piano. All these years that I've learned, now we can finally use these things and make money, right? And again, you know, I don't think there's. I don't think what we were taught was wrong. You know, like who doesn't want a stable life? So our parents taught us to be responsible, take care of ourselves, take care of our family. So okay, that was right. But how about really living a life? You know, never really talk about、mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I love to talk about that because that's <laughs> and that's part of that journey of finding ourselves too. And I don't think we ever truly know what we want because that always evolves, that always changes. I feel like in in a in a lot of ways I followed a script up until a certain point, and then COVID upended that, and then I went back to what I always wanted to do, and that's talk, <laughs> talk, and、uh, you know, like do this, like do the do the rap stuff. So I guess let's let's keep going with your journey though. So you. You went. You ended up back in New York,、mm-hmm. and that's where you stayed pretty much. Unless, did you go to UK for a little while too? Yes, I did, but through which that completes the journey for you because you've got the UK <laughs> connection with Hong Kong. You went to Canada, you went to California, then New York, and then back to UK, and then back to New York. Yes, that really that really hit all the global location that I wanted to hit. That really does complete what、Those、I said. Those are some of the best ones, though, right? <laughs> like if you're going to go anywhere in、yes. the U.S., it's California, it's L.A. or that area, California and New York, right? Like that. Yeah. Well, so I I went to a lot of international assignment when I was at J.P. Morgan. So they sent me to like Switzerland, London. So that was like I had a blast. But initially, I thought I would. Well, it's it's actually really funny. Initially, when I moved to New York, just like many people, they felt like this is going to be just a short stint, right? Like a year or two, had it on your resume. You can tell people, "Hey, I made it to New York," but I decided <laughs> to move home. You know, it's just like so fancy to say. And so I thought, yeah, same for me. Like you know, I could give it a try for a year and then two. I actually I did leave. In two thousand and eight, the financial crisis. I just got so burned out, and like I didn't get fired. But here's the thing: it was it it, it actually wasn't a good thing, right? People was like, "Oh, that's good. You still have a job." No, it wasn't good because they fired everyone else. I ended up doing like two to three people's job. Like how 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 could you not get burned out? That's crazy. So, <laughs> and this was this was when you were at PwC or at、um, RBC? RBC. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. So I stayed at PwC for two years and then I left because I had my three years under my belt. That was the plan. And I just couldn't see myself becoming a partner manager. I was like, actually, that was always the plan. I wanted to switch because once you jumped out from, I don't know about now, but back then, when you leave the big four and go into industry, you get like 30% raise, right? It was a big deal. So I was like, yeah, that's it. I was willing to put in my three years, got aged like probably 10 years older. But yeah, that was worth it. <laughs> and so, you know, finally you had a life come to when, when you moved to, moved from public accounting to work in a bank. So that, that was exactly what I set out to do. And then 2000, yeah, 2008 hit. And then I wasn't, I had a good boss who hired me, but then that guy actually got laid off. And then plus most of his team. So I was like, just felt like an orphan. And then there's so much, so much like politics going on because, and, and I understand, right, in hindsight, because everybody was frightened. So everybody was fighting and it was just terrible, dark times. And <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only buddy, right? Like I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that was a lot of people experience. And at the time, when it first happened, it's not like this time. Like, I feel like this time around COVID, a lot of people kind of like myself who are older, like we've been through it the very first time, 2008. So now we, then it, it kind of, I was more alert. I was always more prepared because we know this kind of thing might happen. Then what would what were you going to do? You know. Sure. Well, and you've you had a lot of self actualization, or just your journey has been not traditional, but almost traditional. Considering our generation is a lot different than the generations before us. That was, you go to school, you get a job, you stay there, you get your pension, you retire. And then you retire, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we see that the same way. I think the two to three year stint everywhere is almost more common among people that I talk to around our age and even younger than it was in the generations before us. That's, and then you're continually evolving as each job goes. You know, you, this, isn't, this isn't a bad thing anymore to have all of these different positions. And people, when people are hired now, they almost know that you, you may only get two years out of somebody two good years is better than nothing too i mean that's that's what i'm seeing now i i hired a guy three years ago and he just put in his notice and i kind of expected that when we when we hired him in the first place like we'd get a good three years out of him i think that's that's also plays into eventually you know you do find your place and i want to get to that i want to take take us through your journey continue but i, I also want to see i'm just going to ask you now then mm-hmm. now do you feel like you know what you want to do or are you still in that journey wow i i can confidently say that i'm at the best at where i am in my career but i think this is just the beginning so i think the best is yet to come that's it right there just the beginning yes and i hear that from the best of the best and they always say that it doesn't matter where they are in their journey they always feel like they're just getting started and they have that fire and and it may not have you may not have said that as you're working through all these companies but you said early on like you either become a professional or you start a business and you were trying to be a professional this whole time through your whole journey for almost 20 years you were trying to be a professional and it never fit you never found that perfect goldilocks fit of of a professional and and let's let's just keep going with the journey so you 
you ended up at a lot of different companies. So just give me, give me the highlights too. Let, let's keep going. Yeah. So basically, you know, I talk about in a book too, but you know, in t- 2008, you know, it's just, I, I know a lot of people sometimes try to um, fight the corporate politics, try to fit in and all that. I, I think, you know, it doesn't matter as kids or as adults, like we often, like as we're human beings, we want to fit in, of course, right? But sometimes I feel like it's just impossible when you when there's a toxic culture. But then at the time, like I said, I was, I was so young, I, I didn't know what to do. And there's no one would tell me what to do. I actually went to a bookstore and try to find a book that tell me how to, you know, like combat these crazy stuff going on because I really need help. And so, and then of course they tell you like, they tell you how to play politics. And I, I, I think I actually tried and I hated myself backstabbing other people. Because oh, yeah. I was like, if, you know, other people get backstabbed and the focus would not be on me. Like, yeah, just talk about something else, like someone else, you know, I'm exhausted. I was exhausted. <laughs> but then later on, like I said, I did it for a while. Well, I when was you just, try to be some that you're not that is exhaustive like when you if you can be yourself 100 you're almost energized the more energized the more work you do and the more the more that you can help people but when you're trying to do something that you that your body is telling you not to or your mind and your heart your soul is telling you not to do it wears on you that's how you get burnt out doing the things that you don't want to do oh yeah like people so often that it's, it's such a contradiction right people sometimes ask me now like i get this question a lot right how much how, how many hours do you work i'm like well i don't know but i don't feel like i'm working like a lot of stuff talking to my clients to talk about business i think it's so much fun you know it energized me so much like that's not work okay so sometimes when i'm like at home like thinking about that. Right when you when you like go out for a walk and think about problem is that work? Well, no, it's actually it's pretty like a lot of these things. It's pretty interesting to me. And then you know I also volunteer. You know like low income and immigrants kids. Right, I, I I teach them ESL and stuff. I see them grow. They I talk to them. That was so much like fulfilling, and I just love the thing. And people was like, oh my god, you're already so busy. How do you still work all the time? I'm like, I don't feel like I'm working all the time. You know. Yeah, and the, well, you've already been through what you consider work all the time, and this is a contrast to that. So. Oh yeah, that was that was work exactly, exactly right. Yeah. So and, and I felt that at, at the time it was just in surviving mode, right? Because again, everybody was so like I was talking about back in two thousand eight. Everybody was so scared, and everybody backstabbing everybody. So every like I I never like I always see the I I never see work is. It's, it's challenging, but it's never like it's always something that you can figure out. It's a people connection. Things get really complicated and kind of frustrate me a lot. I felt so. Yeah. So long story short, so I I got so burned out. I was just like, okay, that's it. Like this is it. I I want out. And then like it was never really me because you know when what, what, how we were taught is that you just always push through, you know, like because you're not gonna give up on these things so it was actually so in my, I, I at the time i didn't tell anybody why i moved back to hong kong i just said you know the yeah i told everybody this right i told everybody well the u.s economy wasn't good now it's time to come home but meanwhile like no one know the truth so i went back home stay there for well, actually, I went to Canada first. That's another longer story, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and then I went back to Hong Kong. So there was nine months that I tried to look for a job, but at the same time, I was actually pretty depressed. 
right? Because all the stuff didn't work out. I thought that was, again, like I thought that was the end of my career and it couldn't be. You know, it was going well, so you've been well. running and constantly moving forward and then that's that'll catch up to you too. If you're running towards something, you know, it didn't look like you were running away from something, but if you're running towards something and you just don't see any light at the end of that tunnel, that's exhaustive as well. That'll probably burn you out more than anything else. It was, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of things, right? Like I said, the, the guy who hired me got laid off and then a lot of people got laid off and then the one that's left just hated me, right? And they, 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 I'm pretty sure. sure they didn't hate me, right? But it was just like fear. What was like, your perception of it, whatever it might be? Yeah, so, and, and so, you know, it was just a lot of things. It was just not an environment. But but then I went back to Hong Kong. I was like, okay, maybe I should just find a job here. But deep down, again, deep down, I knew that I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like Hong Kong. So I went to a lot of different interviews, like all these prominent firms or whatever, right? Didn't get second interview. And the feedback, everybody's feedback was like, we don't think you want to be here. And I was like, no, of course. I, I was like, no, of course I do. And I was like, okay, I need to try a little bit harder, right? Actually practice, practice my smile, practice be like, you know, just practice to want to, but still doesn't work. No one want to hire me. And so, you can't lie to yourself. Though. You're practicing your smile. You're practicing trying to convince yourself that you want to be something and be somewhere that you don't like. And pe- other people can see that in your face. Like that, that's that's kind of like the common. That's the language right there. Is your facial expressions and your actions speak louder than your words? You can't convince yourself. I mean, you're not an actress, so you were trying, but yeah yeah keep going though I, I so no no i i think that's a great point though like so often we really try to be someone we're not and it just ended up just yeah it wasn't good and i think you know not, again long story short nine months just like i realized i need to make a choice so i think ultimately i just realized you know like i do love new york like i did and i do love new york you know i thrive there that was the highlight of my career right so maybe I should give it a try again. I actually missed it a lot. So then I was like, okay. Sounds like John Lennon. <laughs> John Lennon loved New York too. And that was the highlight of his career. Maybe the Beatles was the highlight of his career. Um, I oh. just always think of that like, you know. Oh, wow. I, I think I New, York New York probably. Shirt. I mean, they make bumper stickers, shirts. Everybody loves New York when they're in it. I, well, I think that's probably a lot of people's highlight. Like this place is so crazy, but I still, like, you know, still love it. You know, I love the energy and love the hustle and bustle. But yeah, so anyway, so I, I kind of decided, I decided like either way, if I stay where I was, continue to stay where I was and be miserable, it, it was really comes down to a choice, right? But either way, it, either way is pretty frightening. So pick something. So I was like, okay, let's, let's pick to go back to New York. And I just started applying for jobs. And then, you know, at the time, I didn't have any money. I actually was, like, pretty much in debt. <laughs> and so I, I, went, I went back to Canada, stayed in Canada. And, of course, I, at the same, I went back to Canada. And I keep taking buses to New York to interview and then stay in this, like, crazy place that, oh, my God. But ultimately made it work, made it back to New York. So I think it was, I don't know. I don't think I, I think I grew up a little bit, but still something that I didn't think it through in terms of exactly what I, I want, but I just want to get back on track, um, which is what I, which is what I did. And you did get back on track yet. Mm-hmm. 
five. So this was two five-year stints as well. It was, it was the longest you've been anywhere from going from in Hong Kong. You were there for five years. And then now the next company you worked for in New York, that was another five years, right? Yeah. So I, so I was at RBC and then, you know, 2008 went back to Hong Kong. And I stayed there for nine months, right? No job. But then I was doing a lot of like sub, a lot of these odd jobs, right? Just to make some money. So I was substituting for administrative assistant, teaching classes here and there. Really just wanted to make some money and felt useful. But then yeah. just kind of paused there. But then so I went back to New York 2010 and I joined JP Morgan. And I was there for five years. I think four or five, four or five years. That was the longest okay. career I had. And that's also where I did a lot of international travel so and that's i guess it takes takes you to the point of all of this has been a learning journey and with all of these this is careers to make money and yet yet you're still struggling to find who you are and what you want to do so was it not i mean what was the final like point where you decided gonna write a book like (laughs) I think I got this question a lot, right? And I always just felt, I, I told people when I was young, when I moved to Canada, I read a lot of chicken soup for the salt. And I felt like, okay. wow, like, you know, it, it was so good. And I love knowing, hearing other people's journey and all that stuff. But then I don't think that was my reason. Because many people love chicken soup for the soul and no one really just like write a book, right? So, but I think, you know, the deeper reason really is that, you know, like I, I talk about, I kind of got into accounting by accident, but that's really has been one of the best choice I've made in my life because it did open up a lot of opportunities, right? We, in the profession, we don't talk enough about how important and how valuable it is to know numbers, right? And I feel like, you know, when, so, so I really wanted to, first of all, I know a lot of amazing accountants. But I feel like when you think about accountants, first of all, there's a lot of misunderstanding exactly what we do. There's a lot of misconceptions, stereotypes, right? And also in the media, like how often do we get the spotlight? Like you hear all these like professions, like, you know, you you see legal drama, you know, Silicon Valley or police, the Chicago PD, where's Chicago accountants? Maybe not yet, right? There's like nothing like that, that really humanize accountants. And so, and, and you can see it in people's face too, right? And sometimes people ask you, like, what do you do? And then so you tell them, well, yeah, I'm an accountant, I'm a CPA. Then they start, oh, what's the next question? They start asking oh, you tax advice. Can you do my taxes? <laughs> I know. They right? ask you tax questions. <laughs> like right away. <laughs> or some people, and then you tell them, well, that's not what I do. And then instantly you get this silence. Or, they just get bored. That's exactly, it's everybody's story. Oh, Everybody. my God, right? It's like, do you even know what we do? We're, there's like really brilliant minds out there who are accountants, right? Who are like busting fraud, inventing accounting system, doing all these amazing things. No one ever talked about that, right? And then... Well, you know what I lead with now? <laughs> I lead with, I have a podcast and I rap for accountants. And that's a conversation starter. People do want to talk about that. If I just said I had an accounting firm, they just... You know? Yeah. And so I think it's just like I, I wanted to do accountants some justice because I think we do do amazing sure. work. But then also, you know, it, I think there's a lot when you think about, you know, because I mentor a lot of young kids as well. So often, like, I think, first of all, 
when you think about college class, maybe high school too, right? When we th- when we take the very first class in accounting, it was all debits and credits. Okay, don't get me wrong. I mean that that's probably the most important foundation. It t- oh too, my right? god! It has turned off so many talents away. People take that. It's like never again. <laughs> like that's it. And yeah. I I was in one of the um, accounting so- society. Was talking to someone because you know apparently as we know like the the pipeline issue is huge <sighs> and it's not recent right like it's been for decades and people just don't want to get into accounting. So I'm afraid, I'm worried that someday if we don't do something, we might not even have the industry, right? And so I was like, okay, so I, I brought, actually brought out the question. I'm like, why is the first class has to be, I know it's always been done that way, but why does it have to be talk about debits and credits? Why can't we talk about stories, right? Like the amazing work that we do, the impact that we have in business, individuals' life, maybe the world, Right? It actually, you know, when you think about, I think, you know, people sometimes talk, like to talk about these fraud cases. And it's very real, right? Like, you, you have to rely on accountants to solve these cases. You don't rely on, like, lawyers. I don't think they can balance their checkbook, some of them. You know what I mean? And if you bust a fraud, like, it actually saves many people's lives. That kind of thing, right? We don't talk about. I think if we t- yeah. talk about that kind of stuff, it really... It really lightens. It really inspired kids to be like, "Oh my god, we I want to make accounting sexy." To- yes. That was the title of one of my episodes. You remember <laughs> you listened to that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I did listen to that. And that one. was that was the topic of discussion too. Is how do we make accounting sexy for the younger generation? How do we make it them interested in it like they are in everything else? Like that's accounting has, has been seen as boring, and it's always just the people that are that are traditionally like introverted and and they don't want that excitement. Those Mm -hmm. are the ones who come into our profession. But I think if we can make it more attractive to a a younger generation, then we're going to have more, more diversity with our profession. I mean, there's just so much, so much to go, to go on from there. But yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so so keep going. Like, uh, no, so I, I think, you know, that's exactly why I write a book. First of all, like I think initially the target audience is really these bunch of young people who often ask me for career advice because they're like, well, when you think about accounting, there's really taxes and reporting. I might know there's like many other ways you can go and consider. So I realized, yeah, I should interview people and put their stories in the book. And so that's not who, like I, I brought in 20 people to share their journey. And it, it's really not just talk about career because so often we think about career as just a career. But no, like we have a personal life. You can't really completely separate your personal life, you know, your passion, your interests, your hobbies away from your professional life. It's almost like when we talk about mentoring, you can't just mentor someone's career. You have to mentor the whole person, right? So I think in the book, we get uh, to know each of the mentors, their story, how they grew up, kind of like we've been Mm -hmm. talking, right? Like the formative years, like what inspired them, what influenced them? How did they get through all these different obstacles? I think I really wanted to use this book to open up people's eyes and expand their mind to, you know, to like a completely unique, different universe, a broader universe, what it means to be an accountant, right? Because I really, like I've personally got a lot out of it and I feel like it would be such a shame if the next generations of young kids don't see it. So that's, that's really the mission of the book. Well, 
I think we have a shared mission, a shared <laughs> agenda here, because that's this is how this show goes. We talk about how people got into accounting, and everybody's story is different. Everybody has a different reason. Everybody has a different angle, that, and everybody has a different audience that they want to impact. And typically, it's small business owners, or it's it's something something related to something that happened to them. And a lot of people that are in accounting now didn't set out to be in accounting. They didn't set out to be an accountant. It was, it was always something else. Nobody ever really wanted to go into accounting, mm-hmm. at least well, in most cases. And there's always some other factor or something else that happened in their life to realize that this is the, that, you know, this, is, this was their path. This is where they were meant to end up. Yeah. Um, and I just find it's very interesting because your path is very divergent. It took so many different spokes and, and different directions. Mm-hmm. But you ended up writing a book, Dear Accountant. Like that's, that's a pretty impactful title anyway. And were you writing it to yourself in mind? Were you writing it to say, I wish somebody else had written this and given it to me at a younger age? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely something that I wish I had. And I remember when I was reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? Because they ended up just have a lot of sequel. They're like Chicken Soup for the Soul for dogs lover, for women, for like whatever teachers, like whatever, right? I'm like, where is the one for accountants? Where is it? So 20 years later, still never, still couldn't find it. I'm like, okay, let me write, let me write one. And that's what you wrote. <laughs> that's what I wrote. And I, but I really wanted to, this, this many times, you know, it's so funny. Like I thought about, because it's, it's written in a narr- narrative format. So basically when you read each story, it's like you know, the person is telling you their story. So, and, and, and I want it to be almost sure. like a letter, like a love letter to accounts, right? It's directly to accounts. Because I feel like, again, it, it's kind of a little bit of such a shame that a lot of accountants who are working in the field who do great work, which just not, are, they're not proud of being accountant. It is such a shame. And I understand, right? But because people usually like, usually when you when you go to all these like CFO meeting, like whatever, people usually recognize like the salespeople, like how, how often do you get, you know, recognize what accountants do, right? And, and so I get it, but I really want people to think deeper about, you know, their contribution, the impact and mission, the purpose of, again, what it means to be an accountant. And I really want them to be proud because I think it's almost like an energy, like a vibe, right? If everybody accountants, like, you know what I mean? Like, if everybody don't feel the same way, then like how, like, if you have been in the industry for two decades and you just hate your job, not proud of your profession, what does, like, how do you even promote the profession, right? Uh, let alone now we always like wanted to change. I think there's a lot of things that needs to be changed, right? Not to mention, I think the world has changed, but I think uh, many times I think we're still pretty slow. I think there's a, a group of people who are kind of like yourself who are a little bit more innovative and creative, but I think majority of it is still pretty slow in change. So Absolutely, I... Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like, we still have a long way to go in the profession. Well, the, and change is a good topic. Um, all things considered, change is, is you, it's so hard for some people. Some people have been set in their ways. They've been doing something the same way for so long that they're afraid of change. They're afraid of, am I going to still be relevant? And, and is this like it? There, there's so much that goes into that. Like, you know, we, we've created our own paradigm. 
and I, it took an external factor for me to change a lot of things about me and that was covid that was the need to like there was just so many things that were changing outside of me that forced change internally and that forced mindset shifts and mm-hmm. and then paradigm shifts were happening so in your case like you started this book before covid mm-hmm. you, you started doing this before covid so you already started this whole change as a person then covid comes around and tell me about that how did that shift yeah i never really thought too much about it right because i remember when i first started writing a book it was really just a passion project right and people were like what are you going to do a passion with it? project yeah yeah okay. it was just a passion project and people were like how are you going to market it what do you want to do with it what is the goal i'm like well my goal is if everyone i know these young kids or their mentor and their friends and family whatever whoever i know would read it i'll be happy Right. Because again, like so many people, so, so often people come and ask me about career advice. I, I, well, they want me to talk about forensic accounting. I mean, I tell them what I know, but then I always send them to people that I know. Right. So I owe a lot of people favor. So I feel like if people can get to know these stories, that's actually enough for me. So that's really what I was thinking. It's a side project. It's a passion project, right? And then COVID hit, a lot of things change. Like myself included, like I said, I never in my life thought about I would start a business. I mean, I had a side hustle, but it's very different, right? When you have your full-time job income to pay your bills, side hustle was just so fun, right? I didn't care, like do whatever, anytime, right? But when it becomes your main source of income, your mindset, everything has to change. I had to become a different person. I feel like sometimes my upbringing or my employee mindset sometimes still hold me back a little bit mm-hmm. right so there's a lot of adjustment but i i just think it was yeah i think covid did that to a lot of people right really forced you to think about your life which is actually despite of all these craziness i still think it was one of the best thing happened um, so and, and at the time so then i I was able to do a lot more. I think, you know, when the book published, I told all my friends, some people were very supportive of the book because they see the mission, right? So they help promote their books to people. And then so I got a lot of opportunity to speak and go to, right now, companies too, to speak to young people. Because when you think about a lot of companies, they usually have a budget for leadership development, but not so much for the younger talents, right? Because you think that in a couple of years, they will leave. Now it's very different. I think it's not so much like how many, how long they would stay. I think the most important thing is when they stay there, did they give you 100% maybe more? Did you maximize their capacity, what they can do? Or are they just kind of getting by, give you like 20% at minimum, right? So now, you know, I got a lot of, lot of opportunity to speak to young people when they first joined the accounting firm. So then, you know, it's like, so I, I usually hire to give them some perspective and to get them excited about being an accountant, right? Because it's really fascinating. There's so many different ways to go. And I, myself included, I, pro- I felt like, I, and I saw many people too in the book that you could have multiple career in a lifetime. And with the accounting skills, it's just going to make you more powerful and unique compared to other people, right? So now I felt like I was, yeah, and even I was very excited and inspired seeing kids just light up when they hear all these stories, like, oh my God, wow, that changes everything. Because many people, 
especially many kids, and I could relate when I was younger, right? I was freaking out. When the look ahead is like, okay, what's next? You get into big four, you know, and and then you think about, okay, you become a partner. Then what's next, right? It's just again, it's all scripted. It's like that might not be what I wanted. Yeah, okay. And and talk about this generation, too. I don't think they. I think they still care about money, but I think they really care about the impact and meaning and purpose, which I think is a great thing. So. I had an episode on purpose mm-hmm. recently, and I, I said, your passion is for you, and your purpose is for others. And it sounds like the book was for you. That was your cathartic journey of figuring things out for yourself, too. Obviously, the book is for others, but the purpose, I feel like that's your podcast, and that's your platform, that's your... the entrepreneur CFO like and that kind of started I guess before the book but like I feel like that's in a way I mean correct me if I'm out of turn but it took you a long a long time this is this has been a long journey but I feel like now when you say you're just getting started that's because you are because you finally found that purpose and found what you've been put here for and and you have to go through that like everybody's got to go through that long journey of self-discovery before they really even have an idea. And the purpose has always been there. It's always been within you. The passions are always there too. There's usually, usually more, more obvious because you can't ignore what you're passionate about. You try to, but usually you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's always that journey of figuring it out. So yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you found your purpose? I think I did. I, exactly what you said, right? Spot on. Because... I I think for the longest time, it's not like I didn't know, but it's because I was pursuing or chasing after something, what I was taught to be success. You were following that script. Exactly. trying to follow that script. Exactly. And it so, hurts sometimes too. That script may not have been written for you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, right? Because I was like, okay, yeah, I seem to be doing okay. You know, climb the corporate ladder. All right, let's just keep going. And could you I sometimes ask myself, it's actually a blessing in disguise what people call it, right? Like, thank goodness I didn't fit in. If I fit in, I would just continue on. But that might not be what I wanted to do, right? I do really believe that I meant to start my business to own my own thing, which again, in a million years, I could never imagine. And so I don't want to discount all these corporate experience, right? Because I think I did learn a lot, but it might not, like I didn't, I might not have to stay there for 20 years. My God, that was way too long, right? But I think, I did think that I learned a lot out of it, which is now I'm able to use this experience to help my clients to be better, you know, better serve my clients. So I think it, it is, it has been a long journey. Right. And then when I think about like that question, which is like a great question, right? Like I, I did start writing my book before COVID. So like, why did I do that? Right. And then again, like I have been running a side hustle for a decade and it's exactly what I do now in my business. So I, I have like that has been my passion, like on the side, but I was just so afraid. And it's not really that I was afraid. It's just something that not something that I knew. Right? Like my parents was... Well, no, fear is a good word for it. I think we all have hidden fears and things that we're afraid of that we don't even want to confront. And, you know, we're afraid. What if this... We're afraid of two things, too. 
what if I did this full time and I didn't succeed? But then also, what if I did this full time and I did succeed? What am I going to do then? Like, then you have to rewrite. Then you don't have a script. If you succeed in doing something that you're passionate about and you haven't seen anybody do this, then what happens if you succeed? What's next? And maybe there isn't, you don't know what's next. And that's scary too. Yeah. I, I think now my mindsets really have completely changed. I used to really just wanted to hold on to that security. But maybe the world has also changed, right? As we spoke about earlier, there's no one that that worked for a company for 20 years as much as you want to, right? The pension thing is just like gone. So as long as you wanted to give your loyalties to someone, there's no one to give, right? Like, <laughs> so and, and also, I think I used to be so frightened, wanted to hold on to that security, but I felt like there's really no security, right? And my parents all felt the same way. They mm-hmm. still think it's the safest thing to remain working in corporate jobs, right? And so, but at the same time, I, I feel like I feel like I have dealt with enough uncertainty that like I almost now be so comfortable with it. It's okay because I'm pretty sure I've done it so many times now. Like I came out okay. I'm pretty sure I will be okay. So I think, you know, like a little bit of wisdom come with like being older and, you know, hopefully maturity and all that. (laughs) I love that quote. Just wisdom comes (laughs) through experience too. Yeah. Nobody's got that unless you've been through it. You know, you can't really learn anything unless you've made mistakes along the way too and, and done things. Not that you regret. I mean, there's a lot of power in doing something that is framed as regretful, Mm. but there's no way of learning until you've done that. Um, and there's yeah. no way of growing until you've, you know, learned who you are throughout, throughout that journey. Yeah. One of the key theme in the book, when you look at like all these people journeys, I think the common theme and key theme that is that a lot of people went through tough times, right? But they just, like a lot of times instantly we we're just so frightened we're like oh my god where's the safety net but in hindsight in every story you see people when you're willing to get out of your comfort zone be courageous you always came out so 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 much stronger i think like and i usually you know like i i'm for, i'm asian i'm very practical right i hear these things i like roll my eyes right but i can say it that i really believe it because i've done it so many times you know, this is really how you build your self-worth and confidence. And it's not like, you know, something that you can just see, keep saying. Like, I understand this mantra thing, right? That you have to keep saying, like, you believe in yourself and all that stuff. Yes, do that, but also take some action, right? So that would makes you better. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Got a lot of sage wisdom here, too. Um, so tell me, what's in store in the future here? What's your... Um, you got any new books that you're writing or anything else? So interesting. I mean, writing a book, it took me two years to write Dear Accountant. And, and I think it's because, you know, I was inexperienced. I had a lot of like detour. If I had to do it again and write the same book, probably a year. It shouldn't take that long, but it took two years. So my point is it actually took me a long time, a lot of effort. And I love it because I think, you know, I learned a lot about myself also because how often do you sit down and reflect on your own journey, right? So I think it gave me some time to learn about my own journey and an interview 
all these people. Like you know, it has twenty people's feature in the book, but I actually a lot interview a lot more, and so、yeah. I felt like if I had to feature like a hundred people, I could. Which is why I started the podcast. Not only bringing like interesting, influential people to get their perspectives, but I also wanted to. So talk. I feel like I've been writing a book these past two years. I just haven't started writing it yet. <laughs> I've interviewed well over a hundred people, so right, like the content-wise, like it's there. So yeah, so the podcast, I feel like it's the same idea. There's a lot of things we don't learn in school. You know, we so often talk about mindset, skill set. I think that's especially important as we rise up the rank and become a leader, right? Because so often I think school teach you, you know, the, to have very strong technical skills just so we can do our job. But then later on, like we were never taught how to navigate all these corporate politics, how to communicate with people, how to manage stress, how to manage, you know, your own emotions, how to know even know how you feel, how to manage time and energy. All that kind of stuff is so important, not just being a professional, but I think you have to take care of yourself first, know yourself, become a better person before you can't separate your personal and professional life, is what I think. So you know that's kind of like what we talk in the podcast. And yeah, no. So I wanted to write a book, and then people have ha- gave me all these sort of ideas, like do a dear accountant for like different industry. I mean, I want to if I had like maybe when I retire, right, make a movie too. How about that? Yeah, and then yeah. So I think there's a lot of projects that I so make a good documentary. Uh, yeah, no, there's really so many things I I wanted to do. I feel like it's not I I don't have to wait. I I think it's gonna be in a couple of years. Like I I don't know yet, but I have a feeling. Like, cause right now we're still building our business, but I think you know another couple of years when we get to a certain point, we have more time, money. Like maybe I'll take on other projects. But right now, yeah, so、dope. huh? It's <laughs> pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty dope. That's awesome. Yeah. So right now, I think I'm just focusing on building our business, which is like super exciting. It really just get me excited every day. And I couldn't say that in my. I mean, I could say that in some some parts in my career, you know, there actually has been some exciting assignments. But I think owning your business, like something that is fully yours, is just completely different. I don't even know how to describe. But your excitement is different now. Than it was before, and and if I could su- kind of summarize, before you were always kind of looking at what were you supposed to be doing. What's and there was always a what's next, always a what's next. Now you seem very content and and satisfied with where you're at and the direction that you're headed. That it's not about what's next; it's it's about growing what you have. Yeah, and, and- continuing to build that what you have. Yeah, and a lot of things like within my, I would say within my control, I can choose. Versus, there's so many limitation or restrictions in a corporate environment. Like you wanted to go international assignment, like okay, you, you know, like so、But、you always you, have to answer to somebody in those environments. Exactly. Who are you answering to here? Your business partner, like now, like myself. No one answers to anybody. Yourself, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, we're just collaborating. Like we're just kind of on the same level. So it's, yeah, no, we're building this thing. So we have two two other business partners. We're building. We've been friends forever, and so we're just building these things together. It's actually so much、it's、fun. Collaboration.、Oh、mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of a hierarchy, it's more of a collaboration. And again, you're answering to yourself, which is an 
that's scary for some people too. Yeah. For a lot of people, it's really scary to only have to account for yourself. I mean, I'm scared of that in a lot of ways right now. I don't feel like I answer to anybody and I feel more irresponsible, even though like to a degree, it's all by design. Everything that I'm doing now was because I, it was always, it was always sort of accidentally on purpose as a, as a phrase that I use a lot. And right now I don't really have anybody to answer to yet. I have everybody to answer to. And I'm afraid of that too. I'm afraid that I'm, I am more irresponsible than the next person. I mean, my rap name is Little Toddler, and I got a podcast that's like about high school. <laughs> so I'm very arrested in my development. Like I, I haven't really grown up much. I act like a kid, and part of me is still scared, just like a kid would be too. So you offered a lot of perspective on this for me, and I appreciate you coming on. This has been dope. No, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, like I, I think, yeah, the first time we met, like I think you're just so much fun, so cool. And then look at what you guys do. I mean, it's so different, obviously, right? I'm like, well, it's the sons of CPAs. What? And then like the graphic is so cute. And then now you guys like becoming accounting high. I'm like, what is next? Yeah, the rapper thing really got me too. Oh my like, God, that's what's so next? Cool. <laughs> you like the rap thing? <laughs> what's next is accounting you, right? In four years, accounting high is going to graduate high school. We're going to university. So, oh my God. I think I have, I have a bit of a plan now. I got an eight-year plan here. <laughs> now, it's so much fun. If only accounting could be so much fun 20 years ago, maybe long, like when I was in high school, which is longer. Oh my God, my life could have completely different instead of navigating myself, right? So I think kids today is actually, there's, so, there's actually a lot of creativity in accounting. Not enough, but there's a lot. But we need more. Well, it's, it is about finding that balance. And kind of like Oops. you said early on, yeah. the, it lacked creativity. That, that script lacks creativity. You got to leave room in that script to ad lib and to, to freestyle. And they say that in rap, freestyling, <laughs> you know, rapping. But, like it, but the, best, the best conversations are unplanned, unprovoked, at least on my podcast for sure. Like the best the best results are always where you leave space for for freedom of creativity or just freedom of the mind to go and wander to different places anything that's scripted usually has to be well well prepared and I, i'm just using the analogy of the podcast too but when it comes to the profession and when it comes to accounting how what are some ways that we can bring more creativity into it I think in a corporate environment or any environment, so there's several things comes to mind, right? Instantly, I'm thinking about, you know, work culture, this energy and vibe that we carry with us as accountants, right? Sometimes you look at these, like, say, for example, if people look at us, they're like, yeah, they're so cool, right? I want to be that, you know, accounting can be so much fun. So then it's kind of inspire and encourage them to think outside of the box. And it's not just like, you know, do something that has always been done the same way, right? I think people, especially us as experienced professional, almost have a responsibility to be the role model for people in the next generations. And so I think, you know, we're a little bit better now. And I really appreciate people in my book, you know, they're very openly share 
their ups and downs, how they get to where they are, right? And they also open up their lives as well. Because we're really not just one thing. We're not just accountants. A lot of them, you know, they're like an endurance athlete. They like they ski, they have a side business, they have like, oh my god, like a million things. So I think when you get to know someone like that, you realize, wow, accountants can be really cool. And they are really cool. Right? So I think it 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 inspire, it inspired the next generation to be to be more to be more, not just creative, right? Just be more to be better version of themselves. So your nickname, CC, I think of that as being the letter C twice, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so what would be the two words that you use for the two C words? If you want to summarize this whole thing, I've got a couple that I was going to use, but I want to hear yours. Oh, wow. You're going to give me two C words that summarize CC. What would they be? Curious and courageous. Ooh. Ooh, I like those. <laughs> You're the ones I came up with. I love that curious and crea- courageous because I didn't come up with either of those. Creative, culture, hmm. confidence, CFO, corporate, <laughs> and chicken soup, which oh, is two nice. words. But all right. That's one of them. <laughs> you could throw Cantonese in there too, but that's, <laughs> right. that's weird, not really. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. All right, Cece, thanks for coming on. Hope thank- I can join you on your show one day too. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, ha- for having me. So we are in the process of incorporate my, the business side of things into my podcast. So we, originally talked about to have you on we kind of paused because you know like so often i send this clip to my clients they're like well this is for kids or these are not for kids right it's actually for everybody but you know so we kind of want to change that perception and to and to kind of bring in the entrepreneur cfo and their accountant together and to bring in the content that's you know that's kind of suits everybody uh that's always a challenge but yeah no i look forward to talk to you it's been it's gonna be so much fun That'd be cool, yeah. So for our listeners, how can they find you? How can they find your book? How can they find your podcast? Find my, well, so my book and my podcast both called The Year Accountant. So you, we are stream on all the platforms that you can find podcasts. And also the book is on Amazon. I have a book. I have a book website called DearAccountantBook.com. But I'm very active on LinkedIn. So connect me there. Oh, all right, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, thank you, Cece. Thank you for coming on. Thank you.